This is Hallway Chats, where we meet people who use WordPress. We ask questions, and our guests share their stories, ideas, and perspectives. And now the conversation begins. This is episode 58. Welcome to Hallway Chats. I'm Liam Dempsey. And I'm Tara Clays. Today we're joined by Andy Fragan. Andy is a WordPress hacker and hobbyist. He's a self-taught programmer doing this for fun while trying to solve problems. Oh yeah, and his day job is an acute care surgeon. Hi Andy, welcome to Hallway Chats. Hi Tara. Hey Andy, thanks for joining us. Can you tell thanks, us a little bit? No, oh, you're welcome, thank you. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, please? Um, I live in uh, Palm Springs, California. Uh, where I grew up, uh, and I do the WordPress stuff for fun. Uh, my day job is, is, an, is an acute care surgeon. I work in uh, a local hospital here uh, doing uh, acute care surgery. I had a misspent uh, kind of a recovering trauma surgeon for the last 10 years or so uh, and recently stopped that. I may end up getting back into that again, but we'll see. I generally uh, make WordPress plugins and stuff to solve problems of my own, and it's just kind of led me to be involved with the community. I have met a lot of people both online and in person. Uh, a couple of years ago, I decided that in order to kind of, I guess, step up my game and meet more people on the uh, in- inside, I started uh, becoming a sponsor for my local area WordCamps. And so I've been a sponsor for WordCamp Orange County, WordCamp Los Angeles, WordCamp San Diego, and WordCamp Phoenix in, in the last several years. A sponsor meaning just as yourself, a personal sponsor? Well, I kind of sponsor under, under the name of uh, the plugin, which I, you know, the, the GitHub Updater plugin, which I've done more of. Okay. Let's, let's back up a bit and talk about how a surgeon starts to become a WordPress aficionado. How how did that come about? I got into well, I had my first online account that I used to have to go through as a slip account, S L I P. Later came P P P. This was probably around ninety one or so, if anybody remembers that far back. Uh, I got my first Macintosh computer when I graduated from college in nineteen eighty five. Been playing with Macintoshes ever since. For a long time, I was using um, a software program called Radio Userland. It had an object-oriented database in the back end, um, but produced static HTML files. I'd written a couple, its scripting language is very similar to AppleScript. I'd written a couple of, um, I don't even know what they're called anymore, um, modules, plugins, whatever, for that. Um, One of the first ones was, Enable to to enable the user to edit their post in Markdown, and as that kind of went by the wayside, I pulled my stuff out, and this was kind of around 2007 in the Zen Garden days, and I saw WordPress was kind of had a lot of traction, so I exported, imported, and been playing in WordPress ever since. Mostly playing in the back end because. Don't blog that often. Bad for SEO, I know. 
<laughs> have you always been interested in technology and computers and that type of thing? I mean, I, I would think that, uh, that um, dissecting, cutting into people <laughs> is a very different interest than actually than coding. So what's the, where does that come from? I, it, I've always been, been coding. I mean, I took my first computer programming classes in college, um, clearly before becoming a surgeon. But it, I look at it as just a, a different way of problem solving. Um, you know, you get to be creative. You get to figure things out. Um, the computers only ever do, well, only supposedly ever do what you tell them to. Uh, and it makes it, it makes it pretty much, it makes it a bit more interesting. Um, the, the kind of parallel to surgery is, is a lot of it's problem solving and a lot of it is problem solving on your feet. So yeah, you have to do it right then, right there. Yeah. Andy, it's interesting that you, you got into computers when you were younger and in college and taking programming and then you pursued a, a career in surgery. And then in around seven, you were coming back to look at coding and you discovered WordPress and the like. Were you coming back to coding for, you know, were you trying to market your practice? Were you looking for a hobby on the side? Uh, what was the impetus to look back at what's the best coding situation for the challenges you were facing? Actually, I did sort of come back to coding um, to, to market my practice a little, but I was using an application called VoodooPad, which had a templating system um, it, it was before I found WordPress and you could script it in Lua. I have no idea about Lua, but I did manage to figure out a couple things in it. Uh, and, and I coded, you know, basically hand coded a, uh, a static website out of it. It, it was very similar to, uh, radio user land in that it was a templated system that produced, uh, static HTML files that you'd FTP and upload. So I learned CSS, I learned some HTML. I'm, I'm pretty much in awe of the fact that you do this alongside uh, being a surgeon. So I'm gonna talk a little bit more about that and maybe the relationship between the two because I find it really interesting. Uh, I have often said to my family and myself when they're frustrated or I'm frustrated by how much attention I'm giving my clients and how much urgency with which I respond. And I often say, I'm not, I'm not a brain surgeon, I'm not, saving lives with my website. So it's really not, I don't really have to reply right away. Uh, in your case, you have, you have a day job where you actually do save people's lives. So for you, WordPress, um, I'm just wondering how WordPress fits in with that. Are you doing work for clients with, with your, and you have your plugin or um, how do you, I guess, how, how do you relate the two together in terms of hobby and business if you're doing WordPress as a business? It, it, it's all hobby. I don't monetize it in any real way, shape, or form. Though at times I've been asked, there's a little tip jar I have, you know, a uh, donate button on, on the, some of the plugins and links that I have. And I know too many brain surgeons, I have to say it's not rocket science. <laughs> okay, thanks for that reality. <laughs> That's good to know. Do you, I, I imagine keeping things in perspective when, a web, when your website goes down or your plugins, uh, you know, somebody finds a bug with it or something like that, 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 uh, do you relate that to the gravity with which your, your day job, um, needs to be approached, I guess. 
Yes and no. I mean, I, I'm, I can usually tell if I'm going to white screen something right away and God, I feel really bad if I'm doing that. So I try to get those things fixed right away. Uh, the first, one of the first plugins I ever coded I, was cowboy coding on my test server, um, on an iPad from the Caribbean in my, at my in-laws or a DSL <laughs> connection. That was uh, in, in the kind of the first release of the events calendar category colors plugin. Should I ask if that was a couple of holiday cocktails in too? Or, uh... <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't. But it, it was, you know, fortunately, fortunately, the software on uh, on the iPad was such that it allowed me that I could, uh, you know, SFTP into the server as well, so I could fix whatever I broke right away. So I know I really broke it when I white screened it. Having yeah, starting, I think we've all been there too, right? Yes. Yeah. Starting with an IDE has been one of those tremendous uh, just speed increases in being able to code and do stuff. And Xdebug has been just phenomenal <laughs> figuring out how to use that. Andy, I'm gonna I'm gonna circle us around to one of our uh, more pivotal signature questions here. And I'm going to ask you about your definition of success and whether or not you have a personal definition or not, maybe a professional definition, maybe something that's a combination of both. How would you define success? Um, personally, I, as I think we all have, obviously we all have to define our own successes and it's, I'm not sure how we really think of ourselves as successful uh, because usually you don't say I'm successful. Well, depending on who you are, you maybe you do, but <laughs> usually other people tell you or they tell other people, yes, that person is successful. I mean, I look at it as I do what I do and I have enough time and means to be able to do the things that I enjoy. That's direct. I like that. I like that. Surgeon. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you when you when you shared that you do acute surgery, acute care surgery, is there a, a, a subspecialty of that, or if somebody comes into the acute care center, regardless of the needs, yeah, you're the you're the surgeon to take care of it. How does how does that work? It, it, what it what it basically means is it's mostly stuff that comes to the ER. I did, you know, I have a, you know, there's a smaller elective practice. Most, most of it's what comes to the ER. Um, for a good chunk of the last, I don't know, 12 years or so, I was doing trauma and acute care surgery. So that was basically an entire non-elective practice. And I, I found I liked the acute care surgery, you know, the, just the stuff that comes to the ER better, more, more challenging, fun. So are you attached to a hospital then and not in a separate surgery center, right? Because if they're in the ER, they're not going to ship them over to your, you, you operate out of a hospital or two. Yeah, I operate out of a hospital. The uh, local hospital here is uh, Desert Regional Medical Center. It's part of uh, Tenet Healthcare. Uh, they run it. I have held quite a number of jobs and positions in the last uh, uh, decades or so at the hospital, including just coming off the stint as the chief of staff, so. 
Yeah, that's a that's a that's a good job title. <laughs> Let me ask you this, and I and I'll steer back towards uh, WordPress. Uh, you mentioned that you were digging into WordPress and you you know found it as a useful tool. And then as you began to use it more, you discovered WordCamps and thought, maybe I'll go to one of those to see what that's all about. Talk to us about that. What, uh, how did that process evolve for you? Uh, first WordCamp I went to was uh, Orange County in 2014. And I took my son, um, who's now 23, doesn't really, you know, it's sort of in the, in the, in the business, but not quite. Um, the the pretext was I took my my kids so that my wife wouldn't yell at me and allow me to go. Well played. Uh, and and the standard deal I have is that I can go to any word camp I can drive to, which kind of limits me to Southern California. And well, how far can you push that? I mean, because technically you could go to Lima, <laughs> Peru, and not leave your you still drive. It'd take you a while. It's hard to get there for a weekend, though. That well. Yeah. To get and there and so back it, in a weekend it, is it, tough. Well, okay. So it's, it's, it's also one of those, it's like you've got to be able to leave, you know, leave Friday and come back Sunday, right? Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. So go ahead. Sorry, I, I, I got a sidetrack. You were saying. The, um, and so I went and I, I met a lot of people. And, uh, you know, a lot of people that you see on Twitter, you see on uh, the WordPress uh, was I on the WordPress Slack then at that time? I'm not sure. Um, I don't know when that started, but yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and just in core and looking at things. And it was a lot of fun. And that's when I kind of realized, hey, if I'm ever going to kind of get more involved, since none of these, uh, they really didn't have any WordPress meetups locally. And the only way I was going to be able to do it was to kind of become a sponsor and show up and then mingle and talk. And I've given several WordCamp talks over the, over the years, I think about three or so. That's been fun. Yeah, that's neat. I think that's uh, one of the best things I like about WordCamp too is, is meeting the people, the Twitter people or the GitHub people or the Slack people that we engage with over the internet and to, to get to know them beyond, beyond their, their avatar and their witty sayings online. GitHub's amazing for that stuff. It's you, when before when I was just doing stuff before I put it up on on GitHub, it was just like okay, I'd be doing things and and put it there. I think the first plugin that I wrote was the the category colors plugin. After I put it up on on GitHub, I got a response from one of the guys who works for Modern Tribe uh, to help me out with it, and it's you know that's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, it's been very cool. Actually, they came they came down for some. I hadn't met most of them because they're mostly they're all remote, and I don't think any of them are in Southern California. Um, but they invited me out to dinner when they were down near LA for uh, for some meeting. So I, I drove into to kind of, kind of hang with them for a little bit. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So within within the WordPress community or the WordPress environment, you're writing plugins, you're doing some code, you're solving some problems. What's your favorite thing to do about that? Is it to to expand on a plugin that you got and, and chuck in more functionality and watch it grow? And is it to see what the community does with your plugin? Is it troubleshooting? What uh, When you're unwinding in your hobby, what do you like to do most? I, I like to make sure it works. 
Um, Good call. The, <laughs> there haven't. It, it depends on on where the plugin is. Uh, I, I I recently put out a, a rather larger version update to uh, to the GitHub Updater plugin. Um, made it much more modular. Made it much more. I guess much more able to kind of peel off parts if I so desire to mm-hmm. maybe strip it down into two different plugins to be able to put part of it in the, in the repository and part of it not. Because originally when I wrote it, I submitted to the repo and was denied because essentially they didn't want to promote outside repositories. It wasn't, it wasn't part of the, it wasn't against the guideline at that time, but I think it is now. Since the guidelines so, have been rewritten, but it, it it led to a very it led to very um, very interesting conversations, very um, you know professional conversations with you know the plugin team, and you know I I had great email inter- interactions with uh, with Mika Epstein and with Pippin Williamson and uh, and with uh, Otto. Um, I've actually you know met. Pippa and Mika in real life at various WordCamps and, you know, had meals with them and stuff. And they're great people. Yeah, they are. You know what? I, I, I'm remiss in not asking you sooner. Tell us about what plugins you have. You know, you're, you're mentioning them and you're mentioning them sometimes by name. But if you could just, I think you said you had three or four. And if you could just name them and tell us a little bit about what they do, that'd be great. So there's a number of them that uh, deal with the events calendar. Uh, the uh, the most lot widely used one is the events calendar category colors. There's probably about 6,000 active installs of that, and it's been downloaded over 100,000 times, give or take. Um, there's a couple of other smaller events calendar plugins. Um, one adds kind of a, an alarm feature to a uh, to the um, event. You know, so if you if you uh, subscribe to the feed or subscribe to it, it'll put out an alarm on your sure. uh, on your phone. Cool. Uh, another one fixes it if you uh, another uh, plugin fixes the the export a URL if you're using Outlook. Uh, and there's a I wrote one for uh, the second WordCamp Orange County plugin Palooza uh, because of fill the need I had just to embed PDF uh, into a uh, into a web page. It's called Embed PDF Viewer. The they all thought it was great that there were like at least 400 downloads by the time that the plugin Palooza came around. That's awesome. Which means that it which means that it only had been out for a couple of months because it's like from March to June. Cool. And I've I've, I've kept that updated and, and updated things as as I found either errors or I found better ways to improve it. The GitHub updater, I'm actually on my fifth year anniversary of its first commits uh, to that, and it's changed tremendously. I mean, initially, you know, to the point where I probably ought to rebrand it as just Git updater because it does GitHub and Bitbucket and GitLab and Gitea. And, and how does that work? Is that if you're editing from within the theme editor in the dashboard, it can push it to your repo? So if you have a plugin or theme that you're developing and you keep it in GitHub, or let's just stick to GitHub for a moment. Sure. And you keep it in, and you keep it in GitHub, 
when you push a version change or a release or something like that, if you add a single header to the file and someone is running my plugin, they will see an update. Okay. If they, depending on their site, if they want to, they can also create a webhook to have it update automatically. Oh, okay. So it's for individuals running themes to know when the, when the master theme, if you will, has been updated. And so what happened, what the original idea was that uh, the update would just show up in the plugin in the uh, plugins or themes page or on the uh, update page. Uh, and you'd update it just like any other plugin that came out of the .org repository. Okay. I'm going to move away from tech for a minute. Well, maybe it'll r jump right back in. And I suspect it might because I, I can tell this is a passion and your brain is always turned on. Um, what would you say is the most important thing that you do every day uh, towards this idea of success and doing what you enjoy? I can't say get up and drink coffee. You can, sure. Totally. Oh. That is absolutely a valid, valid answer. Yeah, for sure. I mean, honestly, you, 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 you get up, you jump in the shower, you put in some clothes and you get to work, whatever that work may be, whether it's, you know, going to the hospital, uh, seeing patients, uh, getting called by the ER in the middle of the night and crawling out of bed and, and running in there, uh, or not. Coffee, of course, is part of it, no matter what time of day it is. Yeah. Yeah. I've got some here myself. So when you, because you're not monetizing your WordPress work and it's something that you love and are doing as a hobby, do you set goals for yourself for what you want to accomplish and what you want to learn? Or has it just sort of been an organic process that you've just kind of moved, progressed from one thing to the next? Cause obviously the type of code you're talking about, some of which I don't even know what it is, um, takes a lot of learning. So you've committed time to that. Is, has that, have you, do you, spread out goals for that? How does that work? Um, I have, um, there, there, as new things come up in the, in the, uh, in the world, in the, the world, like, you know, all the new PHP and object oriented programming and things like that. Yes, I have gone kind of more and taken efforts to learn what that is and, and how it works. The one of the first programs classes I took was in, Pascal and you know Pascal was you know they had subroutines and routines and so it was very similar to an object-oriented programming uh, method. The you know there's still things that I, I need to learn how to do right unit tests, JavaScript. I've kind of faked my way through some JavaScript just enough to to figure things out, but I haven't really spent any time learning it. Yeah, is that a goal that you have? Is that a goal that you have? Do you have like a list? Do you keep a list of things that you want to do, or do you just kind of? Just I have a list flow? of some things that I I, I want to do. Yeah. Um, they're either they're either feature thing they're either you know feature things to to add, or they are um, just kind of longer term, you know, learn JavaScript kind of goals. Right. Right. And when you're not behind a computer screen or in your scrubs, uh, what, what other kinds of things do you do for fun? I'm almost afraid to ask this question. <laughs> Check in. Um, I, you know, I hang out with my wife and kids uh, a lot. My uh, son is uh, 23. My daughter is 17. Uh, they're still, you know, they're, they're both 
uh, living at home, although my wife and daughter are away on vacation right now because it's good to be my kids. Yeah, my wife in the summertime, <laughs> uh, and I and I'm here, ostensibly working. Right. Are either of your kids interested in medicine or technology, programming? Uh, no. Well, technology, yes. Medicine, no. And I have successfully steered them clear of that. I think. Okay. Uh, Deliberately I, I or say, just coincidentally? Oh no! I, you know, well, sort of deliberately. I don't think it's all cracked up like it is cracked up as it used to be. Um, I, I love it and I enjoy it and I have a good time, but it is certainly, there are a tremendous number of rules, policies, procedures, law that uh, it's becoming less and less fun at times. Mm. And I can certainly see where in the future that would be problematic. Yeah. You're certainly not the first uh, medical professional to have expressed that yeah. opinion to me that there's, there's value in some rules and regulations, right? I mean, if, if people are just doing whatever they want, that's a problem. But when it goes to the point where it becomes difficult to practice medicine because of the rules and the regulation, that's, that's another problem too, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, you, I mean, you can just look at the, the difficult, I mean, I can see somebody and, and take them to the operating room and make them better. And that's great. Uh, and then if I haven't documented everything pro uh, properly, according to the federal government, um, I may not get paid for it. Mm. Medicine is one of those very few activities where you get reimbursed sometime much after you have provided the service. Right. Yeah. I don't think as patients, we don't think about it from that perspective very often, right? We think more about what's, what our insurance is going to cover. And we don't think about maybe what, when our provider is going to be paid or how much well, they're getting paid. Right. And I'll also tell you that uh, having the, having the patient and yeah, I'm a patient too, having the patient not be directly responsible for paying the person who's providing the care is an interesting process yeah yeah that's just i mean we can get really carried away and get into all sorts of we insurance can, things here sure. but that's that's something that i've I've, I've long wondered about is the disconnect you know you wouldn't go into the grocery store and say you know i want a loaf of bread four eggs two, thing of milk and some bacon and uh that person over there will pay for it Thing. Right. Oh no, no, no. And that person and say, over and that and that person over there will 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 pay seventy eight percent of what your charges are. <laughs> right. For it. Right. Right. Andy, let me let me ask you another one of our big uh, signature questions here, and it has to do with advice. And I wonder if you'll share with us the single most valuable piece of advice that you have received and implemented in your life. And that can be personal advice, professional advice, maybe a mix. Given or received? Um, received? Yep. What did when somebody doubt, tell you that made a big difference in your life? When in doubt, just go see the patient. Does that apply to, does that apply to your code too? <laughs> or did life in general i guess your family it can apply to everything right it, 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 you know it, fundamentally i guess you can break it down if you want to be more general about you know don't always take other people's words for things yeah check out yourself make sure you, you've 
investigate it yourself to, to figure out what the problem really is. Yeah. Uh, because we all have, we all get advice and we all get information from lots of places. Uh, one of the things I learned very apparently when I was chief of staff is that there are always two sides to every issue and problem. And the vast majority of what I felt like when I was chief of staff was the kindergarten teacher because all the kids were getting in fights and I would have to be the referee. Yeah. Yeah. Communication is really important. I think that's, that's the essence of that, of that advice. Yeah. I suppose it also ties into uh, an impetus to not just communicate, but also to not be afraid to go and have those difficult conversations. Not in the sense that the patient is going to mind if a doctor comes in and says, can you tell me more specifically? But maybe with your colleagues, they'll say, hey, Andy, I already told you they have this or they have that. And the the risk and to reputation and to collegial camaraderie of, well, it's not that I don't believe you or I don't trust you, but, you know, I just, I need to hear it from them to make sure that I'm understanding in a correct way. That can be a challenge, can't it? Especially if they're not correct. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And, and learn to Could tell you, people that they're not correct in a way that, that is respectful and still makes it doesn't. Because usually I'm a consultant. Much. People are coming to me for my opinion about something and they're coming at it from a different perspective. And so while we both, have our different issues and perspectives, we have to figure out what is, what's the right thing for the patient. I was going to bring up something and we're probably going to run out of time before I get into this conversation, but this whole idea of communicating in general, but I listened to a podcast recently where Alan Alda was uh, the guest and he has this whole thing about um, communicating in, this was specific to medical field actually, so that's what makes me think of it, um, about the definition of communication that we think about talking is not communication, right? That it's a two-way street. Anyway, it's a really interesting, he has a really interesting perspective on it. Uh, if you're not, if you're not, I don't know if you're familiar with what I'm talking about, but. Uh, I'm, I'm not, but I will tell you as much as, I mean, I talk all the time to people on a very, about very technical things and they are not very technical. And so one of the things I have to make sure is that they understand what I'm saying. It, it, it's, you know, in, in, the, in the computer parlance, it's very much tell me like I'm five. Or explain to my rubber duck. Right. Thing. Yeah, I think that because was the essence of what he was saying, yeah. It, it, I, communication is probably more about listening than speaking. Yes. Absolutely. And a good combination of the two. Absolutely this. And I would love to keep communicating, but we are <laughs> out of time here. <laughs> So Andy, before we say goodbye to y'all, I'll ask you to share with us where people can find you online, please. Uh, they can find me on Twitter at uh, Andy Fragan, at uh, my website, which I publish occasionally at uh, thefragans.com, uh, or on GitHub. Uh, my user is A Fragan. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been Thank you, Andy. Pleasure. We could go on for hours here. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for all you do in the world in general. (laughs) You are both quite welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the show. 
We sure hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you like what we're doing here, meeting new people in our WordPress community, we invite you to tell others about it. We're on iTunes and at hallwaychats.com. Better yet, ask your WordPress friends and colleagues to join us on the show. Encourage them to complete the Beyond the Show form on our site to tell us about themselves.